0: Father in heaven, we come to you with thanksgiving in our hearts for the chance, the privilege to be here, to worship freely together, to worship you who are worthy because you created all things and by your will they exist and have their being. Lord, I pray that you would leave us awestruck by who you are this morning, that you would impact our hearts and our minds, that we would walk away with confidence in your loving care in our lives, knowing who you are and the power that you have to handle every situation that we face. Father, speak to us this morning through the power of your Holy Spirit. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. It was a normal activity for him. On Friday, he walked up to the officer and he said, I'm here to get my pass for tomorrow to go to church. The officer looked at him and filled out the pass. And as he was handing it to him, he said, pretty soon you won't have to come and get passes anymore. You'll have every Saturday off. Desmond looked at him and said, what do you mean I'll have every Saturday off? What are you, what are you talking about? thought maybe this was they were finally recognizing the importance of what he was doing of taking sabbath aside to go to church taking sabbath aside at least to focus on god but the captain kind of smiled and said you're getting discharged section eight desmond thought about it quickly and realized section eight that meant he was getting discharged for insanity said what what do you mean i'm getting discharged for section eight have I not been doing my job properly? He said, well, we're going to call you in before the officers. And so the officers all called him in, and he, he came before them, and they had a, a little session of, of explaining to him, hey, we want to help you out of the army because you won't carry a gun, and you're determined about the Sabbath thing. So we're going to discharge you on Section 8. He said, now let me get this straight. Have I not been doing my job properly? I said, oh no, you've been doing a, a wonderful job. The, the men really appreciate when we go out on maneuvers and you've taken care of their blisters. You've done so many things. You've done a great job, but we're going to let you get out of the army. He said, so why am I going to be discharged based on insanity? He said, well, you're going to be discharged because of your religious beliefs. We just don't think anybody could be in the military and have these type of religious beliefs said, well, I wouldn't be a good Christian and and allow you to discharge me for my beliefs, now would I? And he went on to say this after explaining that he felt like each Sabbath he'd been very careful to make sure that people were there to cover his duties and and that he worked extra hours scrubbing toilets and doing all kinds of things on Sunday to make up for the time that he missed on Saturdays. Then he went on to say this as a closing part of his explanation to the officers. Sir, please believe me. I know that if I keep God's commandments, he will give me wisdom and understanding equal to those who receive training on his holy day. I believe that, that the God that I serve, when I pursue a knowledge of him, like we talked about last week, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the strong man boast in his strength, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me. We read last, last week in Jeremiah chapter nine. It says, I believe that when I pursue this knowledge of God, that every Sabbath I, I faithfully seek this relationship with God, that, that he's the God who will show me the things that I missed. Because sometimes they would be out on maneuvers, and they'd be learning all different types of things that they were going to face in combat. One time, they were out on this multiple-day maneuver, and as they were out there, it came to Sabbath. And he said to his, his captain, he said, I'm not going to be joining you tomorrow. They said, what do you mean? We're out here in the middle of nowhere. He said, I'm going to go find a church. Sure enough, he left. He came back and eventually found them. Actually, the, they picked him up, uh, the, the security for the army and took him as a prisoner, but he was able to explain to the captain, I just went to church like I said I was going to do, it's okay. He was determined to follow, to pursue this knowledge of God. And remember last week, we read what he had wrote home in a letter later on after he'd been in combat, how he was able to say, you see, I have seen the fulfillment of these inspired words with my own eyes. Talking about Psalm 91 and the protection that God offers. I know God has more power than all the world put together. Here he's specifically talking about keeping the commandments of God. He told the officers, if I keep the commandments of God, I believe that God will give me the knowledge that I need. We saw in 1 John 2 and verse 3 that by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. That as we pursue this knowledge of God, we pursue the character of God as found in the commandments that he's able to reveal himself. But here Desmond gives us a picture into something a little more important about the commandments of God. And that is the one commandment that really reveals who God is. Go with me to Exodus chapter 20 where the Ten Commandments are located. In Exodus chapter 20, these laws that reveal the character of God, the love of God that reveal how we can live a life of loving God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, and our neighbor as ourselves. In all of these commandments, whether it is to, to worship only God and to not have false idols and, and to not make any graven image, to, to not bear false witness, if it's to honor our father and mother, not to murder, not to commit adultery, not to steal, not to lie, not to covet, all of the other nine commandments don't really describe who God is. They give us instructions about following in God's footsteps, but there's one commandment that gives us a deeper knowledge of God than any of the other commandments. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 8 says, remember the Sabbath day. It's the only commandment that starts off by reminding them, saying, remember the Sabbath day. You've known this for a really long time as a people. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall, not do, you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor even your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. Anything that you have control over, anything that you have influence over, none of that should have to work on this day. But how does that really reveal who God is? Again, this is just instructions. This is the only commandment that goes on to explain in such a beautiful way why this commandment should be kept. In verse 11, it says, For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. It says, do this because God is creator and because he gave you this example at the end of creation. Go to Genesis chapter 2 with me and we look at this exact example that is cited here in the Ten Commandments. In Genesis chapter 2, God has just finished his creation. It's beautiful how creation goes. He begins just by speaking. And as he speaks, there's light. As he speaks, there's the division of uh, the the firmament comes. As he speaks, there's dry land. There's water. As he speaks, there's animals and birds and all these things. And then he comes especially close. And he doesn't just speak. But he bends down and he forms in the dust a man. And he breathes into his nostrils the breath of life. And then after all of that, God, in verse 31 of chapter 1, looked at everything that he saw, and he saw that it was all very, very good. And when he looked at his beautiful creation that he had made, verse 1 of chapter 2 says, Thus the heavens and the earth, And all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. Now, when it says God ended his work, it's something more than just that he stopped. But the the verb there in the Hebrew is, is really something that you would use for an arrival at a goal. It's like when the train finally arrives at the train station, when the car finally pulls up to the destination. It's the moment when everything that comes together like it's supposed to come together. He didn't just stop, but he had completed something beautiful, something perfect, something glorious. So God ended the work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. The word there is literally, basically, Sabbath. He Sabbathed from all the work which he had done. It's, it's, uh, you have the noun and the verb of Sabbath, and, and this is describing, basically, he Sabbathed on this seventh day. So God has created for six days, and, and he's becoming closer and closer to that culmination of creating man, and he creates man, and then it's not enough for him to just go on about his business but God stops and he leaves another 24 hours in the cycle of the week so that he can be with man. So he rests on the seventh day. Now, do you think God was tired? God wasn't tired. And Jesus himself said in John chapter 4 that we should worship that God is spirit, and so we should worship him in spirit and in truth. God didn't get to this place and have some sort of physical tiredness because God is the infinite uh, being of the universe who never gets tired. He never needs a rest. But there was spiritual rest that took place here. And, and who was it that was doing this creation? In John chapter 1, and verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and, and all things were created through him and for him. Jesus was the one who created all of these things. Colossians says that through him were all things created, both visible and invisible. Everything came into being through Jesus our God, and our Savior. And so when Jesus got to the seventh day, he rested. He took 24 hours, and he rested. Then the verse continues in verse 3. Then God blessed the seventh day. This is after the fact of having rested on this day. He blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. God blessed this 24-hour period. He made it something special. He set it apart as something special, this 24-hour period. Now, we're blessed. We can be blessed every single day. Because earlier on, it says that God blessed the humanity. He blessed them. He said, be fruitful and multiply. So we know that there's a blessing on mankind that comes from God. But then when we get to this 24-hour period, there's something that you might call a double blessing because God specifically blessed this time frame. Now, how does God bless something? Go with me, or bless and sanctify something. Go with me to Exodus chapter 29. Exodus chapter 29 and verse 43 says something about the tabernacle that God had made. Exodus 29, verse 43. Earlier on, he said, Make me a tabernacle so that I may dwell among you. It was a place for his presence to be. And in Exodus 29, and verse 43, it says, And there I will meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by what? My glory. What was it that made the tabernacle a holy place? It was God Himself. You remember that there was the holy place, and then there was the most holy place, and it was most holy because why? God Himself was there. And who is this God who was present there right in the middle of the camp of Israel? He is the creator of the universe. This is an amazing thing for the creator to show up in creation. Look at Exodus chapter, I mean, Psalm chapter 33. In Psalm chapter 33, it describes God's creative power, and then it relates how that can affect our lives. Exodus chapter 33, sorry, Psalm chapter 33. And we will pick it up in verse 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Does everything you've seen, all the entire earth, all of that vast universe out there with the trillions and trillions of stars, all of that was made by his word, by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth, having seen this, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. He's creator, he's wonderful, he's magnificent. He created all of this by the breath of his mouth. Stand in awe of him, fear him, because he is powerful. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. Are you a little afraid about the elections that we're facing? Do you get concerned when you hear about all that's going on in the news with the nations? He brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. Your God is a very big God, and you can trust him with your life. He brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the people of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people he has chosen as his own inheritance. We're blessed when we follow biblical principles, when we follow after God. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. From the place of his dwelling, he looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. So now we're moving from the grandness of our creator God to the personableness of our creator God. He fashions their hearts individually. He considers all their works. Then look at this. No king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. Do you see what Desmond understood? Because he took time on the Sabbath to remember his creator, he had a view of who God was, his creator. And he knew that when it came to a battle, You didn't rely on the king. You didn't rely on the horse. You didn't rely on the chariots. You didn't rely on your weapons, but you relied on the king of kings to see you through that battle. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. We're going to see how often Desmond was delivered from death as he relied upon his creator. He looked to him and him alone for salvation. God delivered him again and again. We talked about that last week too. To deliver their soul from death, to keep them alive in famine, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. There is power when you trust in the infinite creator of the universe. Now, sometimes it's difficult for us to really wrap our minds around, what does it mean that God is the creator? What kind of power is that that can create? Because none of us can create anything out of nothing. Hebrews 11, I believe it's verse 3, is very clear that he created, we know by faith that he created the, everything that we see out of nothing. All that we see around us came out of nothing at the voice of God. So back in the early 1900s, there was this physicist by the name of Albert Einstein. You might have heard of him before. Now, Albert Einstein, he did his experiments in a very interesting way. He mainly Discovered the things that he did by doing thought experiments. And he would imagine what it would be like if he was riding on a beam of light. What would it look like? What would things be like? And he used his understanding of physics to, to grapple with these things. And, and he stayed with it for a lot longer than most people would until he came to some amazing conclusions that transformed the realm of physics. One of these in particular was a simple equation. E equals mc squared. Simply saying this, energy that is uh, the potential energy of any mass is given by m, which is the mass of the object, times the speed of light squared. I know it doesn't sound shocking or anything amazing until you realize the potential that this has. This is what resulted in the power that put to end World War II that we've been talking about with Desmond Doss. Do you realize that? Understanding this equation is what gave the world nuclear power like we see today. It was the realization that you could take a bomb with radioactive materials and you could create an explosion to the extent that you could... That mass, the amount of energy that would be released from it, is equal to... uh, many megatons of, uh, of dynamite, basically. So it, basically the mass times the speed of light squared, which ma- light travels at, uh, what is it, 186,000 miles a second. And if you multiply that by the mass, you get a very large number. Let's just put it that way. So this is what happened at the end of World War II. You had Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Two bombs were dropped. There's a lot of debate about whether this should have ever happened, but in those two bombs being dropped, the explosions that took place were so massive that they wiped out around, the estimates are around 200,000 people. Two cities just obliterated off the map. Now, what in the world does this have to do with creation? This is the opposite of creation, isn't it? It's mass becoming energy, it's It's the destruction of cities and it's the destruction of life. It's a horrific thing and yet a powerful thing that since that time, if you think about the wars we've had, people hold back in war because they're afraid of what's going to take place with nuclear power. It's interesting, though, that that those bombs that were dropped were actually just like, child's play compared to the weapons that we have today. I'll put up a graph here that shows you the difference. Now, those two bombs, if you look over here, you'll see that the the smoke cloud from them went up 29,000 feet, this rather big cloud that is basically the height of Mount Everest. You've maybe seen this mushroom cloud before this massive explosion wiped out this huge area. Well, since then, they've gone from the atomic bomb to the hydrogen bomb and they've perfected how to create this explosion to the extent that there was the, in 1951, you see there the Castle bravo bomb was uh, detonated. It was a 15 megaton bomb. Okay, so the the bombs in Japan were 15 kilotons. This is megatons, so a thousand times greater than that. But then Russia in 1961, they upped the ante with their SAR bomb that was detonated. And it was 50 megatons. And you see there that that the cloud went up some 200,000 feet. This is 3,000 times the size of the bombs that were detonated at Hiroshima and Nagasaki. That's huge. This is why we thankfully, don't have wars today and why we want to stop wars from happening because very rapidly the planet could be obliterated by the size of weapons that we have today. So what does this have to do with creation? E equals mc squared. This is my simple way of seeing how this takes place. And it was the way that led scientists to realize that this kind of destruction can take place. This is taking mass and turning it directly into energy. But what did God do? On the day of creation, he spoke and mass came into existence. He spoke and there was dry land. He spoke and there were animals. He spoke and this entire planet came into existence. Do you see what God was able to do? God took who he was, his power, his energy, and he spoke and it became mass. And so if you take the size of our planet today, you take the mass of planet Earth today, and you could do this this afternoon, but plug it in, the estimated mass of this planet, you plug it into that equation of m, so you take the mass and then you multiply it times the speed of light squared, and you get the size of energy that it would take in order to form this planet that we live on today and everything that we see around us. Now, what do you think? Would it be like a, the size of a, uh, one of these bombs? It'd be quite a bit bigger than that, right? Because those are obviously just a small portion to get that amount of energy. Turns out it's 2.56 quintillion SAR bombs, 50 megaton, megaton bombs. 2.56 quintillion. And that's for your God. To speak into existence one little tiny planet, one little speck in the vast universe that it it tells us in the Psalms that he, or in Isaiah chapter 40, that he looks at the universe and he measures it with a span of his hand. Your God is massive and powerful. And it says that when his eye is on you, when you're hoping in him, when you're trusting in him, that he will protect you in famine that he'll help you in difficulty, that he'll see you through any difficulty that you might face. This is the faith that Desmond had as he stood before his officers and he said, no, if I am faithful to God and I I know God, I know that he can give me the knowledge that I need to have. In Jeremiah chapter 32, Jeremiah says something really similar. He talks about how, how God is creator, and then he goes on, to talk about what that enables God to do. Jeremiah 32 and verse 17 says, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. Do you see how it changes everything when you remember that God is your creator, that he can speak and things come into existence, that his word has power? Do you see the difference that it makes in your life? When you recognize that God's word has that kind of power, it gives you confidence, even if you're charging into battle. You know, Desmond's wife had given him a little Bible And she wrote a little note in it. It's a little pocket Bible that he could carry around in, in battle. November 22, 1942, she'd written this. This was long before he ever went into battle. Dearest Desmond. As you read and study the precious promises found in the word of God contained in this little Bible, may you be strengthened in whatever trials may come to you. May your faith in God bring comfort and peace of heart to you that you may never be sad or lonely no matter how dark the way seems. If we do not meet another time on this earth, we have the assurance of a happy meeting place in heaven. May God in his mercy grant us a place there, your loving wife, Dorothy. She said, Desmond, The promises in this book, they will see you through. God's word is powerful, it's active, and it's transformative. And for Desmond, it was as he kept the Sabbath, as he focused on Jesus as his creator on that special day, that he came to recognize the power of God to see him through any and every situation. The Sabbath is special. The Sabbath is what can see us through. Last week we talked about Joshua and how Joshua was told, You can be strong and courageous because you know that I'm going to be with you wherever you go. But then God told Joshua to meditate on the law day and night. God told Moses something very similar in Exodus chapter 33. Go with me to Exodus chapter 33. This is a little after the golden calf episode. And. In Exodus 33, Moses is troubled. He's trying to figure out how he's ever going to lead these rebellious Israelites into the promised land. How are they ever going to be able to find their way through the wilderness? How is he going to be able to conquer all the odds that are before them? He doesn't know how to lead them. So in Exodus chapter 33 and verse 13, Moses talking to God says this, Now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, Show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. Just like Desmond, he realized that the knowledge of God was what he needed to face any difficulty that he went through. Verse 14, God promises Moses this, and he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Friends, to have the presence of God with you gives you rest, gives you peace, gives you grace in any and every circumstance that you might face. Sometimes when we look at the Sabbath, we look at the seventh-day Sabbath, and we say, okay, so what? I'm just supposed to sit everything aside and just twiddle my thumbs? Maybe I'll just take an extra long nap. I'll work out hard. And then when I get to the Sabbath, I can get more time to rest. I just need more physical rest. And we actually do know from science that taking one day out of seven to rest physically actually helps you. But here's the thing. If you only rest on the seventh day physically, you're not following God's example because God wasn't tired at the end of creation. If you merely rest physically, you may be keeping Saturday. But you could also do that on Friday. You could do it on Sunday and you would still be keeping some sort of physical rest day. Does that make sense? You could rest physically any day of the week. In fact, you could divide up your rest and say, I'll rest three hours this day, three hours this day, three hours this day, and 12 hours on this day and you'll get your 24 hours of rest in in four days. But that wouldn't be following what God has said would be a blessing to your life because it's a spiritual rest. And a spiritual rest comes from the presence of God himself. What is it that sanctifies something? We saw in Exodus 29 and verse 43 that the, this tabernacle was sanctified by the presence of God. And so when God says, I've sanctified these 24 hours, God says in a special way, my presence is available to you in that time frame. You want to know, God, there is no better day to pursue a knowledge of God than on the seventh day Sabbath. Because God set it apart at creation. He created each of these things on six days, and he didn't just stop there, but he created another day. And on that day, he blessed it, made it a blessing for all time, and he sanctified it with his presence. So that you and I can have the rest that comes from being in the presence of God. And that's a beautiful, delightful thing. Psalm chapter 16 and verse 11 says that you will show me the path of life. Just like Moses was wanting to know the path in the wilderness. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In God's presence is everything that you need for your life. Just to be close to Jesus satisfies every desire of your life. And what a beautiful thing that God took 24 hours, and he said, this is for you and me to be together so that you could pursue a deeper knowledge of me. When Leah and I started dating, the event actually took place on a Sabbath afternoon where she and I, she she actually said, hey, I think we should talk about uh, our relationship, and I thought that was a wonderful idea. And so we drove in Bakersfield out to Hart Park, which is, if you've ever been there in Bakersfield, it's not the most attractive place you've ever been. It's really dry and barren, and there's these barren hills there. And then there's this lake that people sometimes like to swim in, but I don't recommend it because it's a really dirty lake. And so we're there sitting by this lake, looking out. And as we began to talk about our relationship and how we wanted our relationship to grow Leah said to me, she said, you know, I'm not one of those girls that you need to give me like a lot of gifts. So that's a good thing because I don't have a lot of money. And I'm, I'm not a girl that it really matters the types of places that you take me. She said, but something that really matters to me, that's that we can take time together. Time is what is valuable to me in our relationship." Now, don't get me wrong, she still appreciates when I bring her gifts. She appreciates when I take her someplace nice. But what matters to her is time together. In fact, there'll be some days where we need to do the dishes after a meal. And I'm getting started on the dishes and as I'm beginning to wash the dishes, she says, so if you wash these dishes, do you need to go right back to the stuff you were working on as soon as you finish? I said, yeah. She said, well then, I'd rather that we spent this time together than that you spent the time washing the dishes. Because it's more important that we be together. I'll wash the dishes. Don't worry about that. I want to be together. And I see that as what God has done for us. God could have left us with seven days to to work our, our tails off and not to have another day. But God says, hey, I'll make up for what you lack But on this seventh day, I want you not to have to worry about work. I want to be together with you. Will you choose to set this aside so that we can have a closer and deeper relationship? And when you have a closer and deeper relationship with the king of kings, the creator of the universe, it fills you with confidence. It fills you with the ability to pray like Desmond Doss prayed and like Jeremiah prayed. In Jeremiah chapter 33, We just read where Jeremiah had said that you created all things and by your hand they exist, and so nothing is too difficult for you. A little bit later on in Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 3, he says this. In Jeremiah 33 and verse 3, it says, well, starting in verse 2, Thus says the Lord who made, and then a lot of translations will fill in and put it there. Now, in the Hebrew, it really doesn't say it. It just says, thus says the Lord who made, because he made everything, everything you've ever seen, God made it. It says, thus says the Lord who made it, the Lord who formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. You are praying to the creator of the universe. When you have a conversation with God, when you go to his word, you are having an intimate relationship with the king of kings, and that can happen in a special way on the seventh-day Sabbath. In Desmond Doss' experience, people quickly realized the difference that this kind of faith made. When they finally were in Okinawa, Japan, he remember last week we talked about, and you can get the recordings or, or go and watch the documentary about him. But he had won two bronze stars and already gotten, I believe, a Purple Heart by that point. But here he is on, on Okinawa. And as they began to go into Okinawa, it was a horrific scene that met them. Troops had been slain by the thousands. They would sometimes march through water that was so filled with blood that it was like they were just marching through blood. Finally, they got to what had been holding the U.S. Army's back. It was called the Meta Escarpment, also known as Hacksaw Ridge. As they got there, they they made some attempts to go up it, and at first, it felt like they would they would get some place, and then all of a sudden, the Japanese would come out of the woodwork. They had caves and stuff all through this this ridge, and they would begin to attack them and assault them and drive them back off the ridge. The first time they did it, they weren't able to retreat very well because there is, at the top, this vertical section that just drops straight off. And so, a few days later, they actually asked for Desmond and two others to go up and to secure some cargo nets there. Now, remember, Desmond doesn't carry a weapon. Desmond is a medic. But they knew by this point that they could trust Desmond, that he was the one who had spent so much time learning knots, and he had proven that he was quite capable as a man in the field. And so they, they said, okay, Desmond and these two others are going to go up and they're going to secure these cargo nets so that all of the soldiers can climb the last 40 feet or so of this uh, escarpment. And so they went up and they, they secured it uh, while, while under fire. And they, they secured it. They built this wall up there so that hopefully it could protect them from the Japanese fire. And then the story goes on about the different times that they would attempt to advance and go up and attack this, this part of the ridge. One day, Desmond was there and, and the captain said, okay, we want you to go with a special assault team because we've been trying to get up this ridge and trying to get up this ridge and it's not working. So today we're sending in the assault team to do a special work today on this ridge. And Desmond said, okay, I think you should get the men to pray. Now, what Desmond meant was these men are about to come into a conflict that could likely end in their death, so they need to get their souls right with God. But, but the commander just looked at Desmond and said, okay, hey, guys, come over here. And he got the whole group together, and he's like, Desmond wants to pray for us. So they all bowed their heads. As Desmond prayed a prayer, at the end of it, he was praying that God would protect them, and he was praying that God would, most of all, Help each of them to have hearts that were right with God. And then he left a little time of silence for all the soldiers to hopefully pray as well. And then he said, Amen. Then they took off. And this was Company B. Company A and Company B were going to send special assault teams up on different portions of the ridge that day. And they were hoping to make some progress into this battle that had constantly uh, not been able to move forward. That day, as they began to to go up, they began to hear radio calls from Company A, and before long, Company A said, we're retreating. We've had so much loss of life, we have to get off this ridge. So now it was Company B all by themselves, and as they went up, they were able to go to these, what they call pillboxes, where all the Japanese were hiding inside with with their machine guns, and they took out one pillbox, and then they took out another. I believe it was 12 that they took out. And then they were able to uh, secure the area and then they headed back down the escarpment. When they got down, the, the, the commanders higher up said, they, they listed it there, that there were no casualties from Company B that day. And the, the commanders sent back word and they said, now how is this possible? Company A was nearly demolished up there and Company B came back and nothing was wrong. What happened? What happened? And they said, well, Doss prayed for us. <laughs> so we went up and we came back and nothing happened. There's story after story about the faith of Desmond. As he called upon his creator God, God would show up in magnificent and powerful ways. It's interesting. I was watching an interview with uh, an, the main actor of the film Hacksaw Ridge that portrays the life of Desmond Doss. And he said, we actually had to leave out a lot of the story because people wouldn't believe that it was real. It was too good to be true. Usually Hollywood expands it a little bit so that it's more exciting, but the story of what God did in Desmond's life had to be minimized so that people would believe that it was a real story. Well, May 5, Desmond was sitting at the bottom of this escarpment. They'd been entrenched there for days. As he was sitting there, it was a Sabbath, and he was sitting there reading his Bible. The day before, he'd been up on the ridge, and he'd had some difficult experiences that had ended up as as they were all retreating, and he was was trying to help people. He ended up taking a a fall off a 20-foot hill, and he ended up significantly injuring his leg. He knew that he probably shouldn't fight on this day, but... He was the last medic left in his company. And so he determined that he had to stay there and help any way he possibly could. As they were there, a a colonel came up and said, how are things going up on on the escarpment? He said, I'm not sure. I haven't been up there today. He's there reading his Bible. That pocket Bible went with him everywhere. And the colonel said, okay, I'm going to go ahead and go on and check. He said, you should probably go to the command post and check there. He said, no, I'm going to go ahead and go up and check. As he went up, he began to hear gunfire on the top and then silence. And then somebody screaming out, Medic. He hopped up and then immediately remembered how bad his leg was hurting. But then he remembered the God that he served, the creator God, who was able to give him strength, who was able to recreate his leg. And so he prayed, Lord God, there's a person up there that needs saving. Would you please help me? Took another step. Another two steps. By the time he took his third, fourth, fifth step, he realized that he was perfectly fine. And so he immediately went up and crawled up the nets, was able to crawl out on the escarpment, be able to give the colonel plasma, and he was able to drag him off the escarpment and bring him down. When he got back down, his uniform was soaked in blood, but he sat back down and began rereading his Bible. You see, it was actually a Sabbath, and he was there reading his Sabbath school lesson and studying the Bible, and he knew that pursuing a knowledge of God was what mattered in his life, and so he kept on reading. Before long, though, a captain came up to him and said, I know today is Sabbath, and normally we let you have this day to be with God, but you're the last medic left. The Japanese would especially target the medics. He said, you're the last one left. Would you go up for, with us today? We have to make a final assault today. What Desmond didn't realize at this point was that the whole American front was all going to charge on that day and they were going to do a do-or-die effort to take the Meta escarpment, Hacksaw Ridge. As the the captain told him this, he, he said, well, yeah, I, I believe I can help life today. I can save lives today on the Sabbath. He said, but... I'd like to finish reading the Bible first. Is that okay? The captain looked at him, Captain Vernon, and said, All right. He knew that that was the source of Desmond's strength. And so he went back, and other captains told about how they were already in place up on the ridge. They were already planning to get their men ready to move. And they got word, we got to wait. What do we wait for? Desmond is reading his Bible Desmond thought it was 10 minutes while he read his Bible. Turns out it was half an hour that the entire military waited for Desmond to finish his devotional time. How things had changed from when they threw boots at him by his bedside. How things had changed from when they mocked his faith. They realized that faith in the Creator made all the difference in the world. And they were willing to wait. And it's a good thing they waited. Because that day... That battle, as they went up, 155 men from his group went up on the ridge, and as they were fighting, at first the Japanese let them get further out, but all of a sudden the Japanese came in from all sides with more fury and firepower than ever before. The Japanese called it the Reign of Steel. As the bullets flew, men began to fall all around, and 55 men began to retreat. The rest lay on top of the escarpment, unable to move, wounded or dead. At this point in time, Desmond too, it would have been simple for him just to retreat with everybody else. Everybody else had retreated off the ridge. But Desmond saw his comrades out there. He saw his friends and he, he said, I have to save one more life. And he went over and he, he got one person and he, uh, he ministered to their wounds and he took them over and he put them on a litter and he began to let them down by a rope off of, off of the ridge. And as it got down to the bottom, all of a sudden the men who were kind of dazed and confused down at the bottom having retreated, they said, what's going on? Hey, that's Doss up there. And, and Doss yelled, hey, would you get, get that man and take him to the, to the, aid, uh, the aid booth? And so it, They took him, and then they were going to send the litter back up with him, but he said, no, that's not working. And he took the rope back up, and he remembered something that happened earlier on. You see, the God who he had trusted, that if he took the Sabbath to not be in training, the God who he said, will give me the knowledge that I need in order to handle the situations that I faced that God reminded him of a knot that, as far as he knew, had never been tied before. And that was earlier on in training. He tied a double bowline knot that ended up with two loops on it. And God brought that, that knot to his mind and he began to crawl. And person by person, he would first administer aid to them. And then he would drag them to the cliff's edge. He'd put those two loops around their legs. He would tie the rope around their body and he would lower them down off the cliff for 12 hours. After everyone else had retreated because there was enemy fire, it was a dangerous place to be, Desmond, for 12 hours, crawled from person to person, dragging them off the top of that ridge. Finally, he lowered the last person down off the ridge, and he himself came down. His uniform was caked with blood, and when he came up to Captain Vernon and the other captain, they said, you just saved a hundred lives today. He said, no, that's not even possible. I think there was maybe 50 lives at the most that I lowered off. They said, we sent up a hundred people today. We sent up 155, and only 55 are standing here now of their own accord. And the rest of them, you lowered down. So they settled in the middle with 75. And Desmond Doss received the Congressional Medal of Honor the very highest medal that you can possibly receive in military service. And when he, along with 15 others, approached the president to receive this honor, this is what the president said to him. I'm proud of you, Truman said. You really deserve this. I consider this a greater honor than being president. His life had made such an impact on his fellow soldiers that later on when he got wounded he ended up leaving his Bible on the battlefield and his entire group went back into the battlefield put themselves in harm's way in order to get that Bible and to bring it back for Desmond they knew that his faith in the Creator made all the difference in the world in the book Patriarchs and Prophets it says the Sabbath is a memorial of God's creative power points to him as the maker of the heavens and the earth. Hence, it is a constant witness to his existence and a reminder of his greatness, his wisdom, and his love. Had the Sabbath always been sacredly observed, there could never have been an atheist or an idolater. Do you see the power of observing the seventh-day Sabbath? There's beautiful Power in the seventh day Sabbath, and that comes because Jesus Himself has blessed it. He sanctified it with His own presence, and He wants for you and I to pursue a deeper knowledge of Him on this precious day. As I've come to realize that His presence is especially available to me on the seventh day Sabbath, it's come to make this day even more special than me to me. As I've realized that what makes it holy is. Jesus himself coming close to his people. When it comes to Friday night, it's an exciting thing because Jesus is coming close. He wants to bless us in a special way. Friend, maybe you've been like me. And you've just wanted to wash the dishes when your wife wanted to spend time with you. Maybe you haven't recognized that you've just wanted to go about your ordinary business on this day and kind of Ignore what God has for you and not even known what you are missing. But Jesus has a special blessing in store for you each and every Sabbath. And I want to invite you to take advantage of that blessing, to not pass it by, to not be distracted by anything else. In Isaiah 58, it says that we should take delight in the Sabbath and that we should turn our foot from it, just like you'd turn your foot from any holy ground, Turn your foot from it, from doing your own work, from doing your own pleasure, and from speaking your own word. And take delight in it. And then God promises, then you will delight in the Lord, and He will cause you to ride on the heights, and He will cause you to have the inheritance of Jacob. Friends, there's amazing blessing. There's delight in the presence of God. There's confidence in knowing that he's the one who cares for you, your creator, your redeemer, and your best friend. If it's your desire to worship that king of kings, your creator, I want to invite you to stand with me, to stand and say, I want to keep the seventh-day Sabbath. To say, I want to experience this joy of knowing Jesus for myself. I want to experience what it's like to be in his presence. I want to know God like Jesus wants for me to. I want to know God like Desmond Doss knew God. Father in heaven, please bless my friends. They go out this week to trust in you, their creator, who has an infinite amount of power that's beyond our comprehension. Lord, we've seen just a small glimmer of it this morning. Lord, forgive us for the smallness of our language and the the incompetency that we have in really describing who you are as our creator. But thank you that we can have unlimited confidence in you, that you can do anything, that you can accomplish anything in our lives. Lord, fill us with faith. Fill us with hope. And Lord, may we pursue a deeper knowledge of you on the rest of this Sabbath. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.